Hey guys, this is going to be a not long-winded episode as one of our members is not here tonight. However, you are listening to the Give Me Five podcast, episode 263, brought to you by, that's right, the Give Me Five patrons. This is the Give Me Five podcast, a semi-entertaining show about very entertaining things. We talk about things like pop culture, entertainment news, movies, music, books, Florida, whatever catches our eye during the week. My name is Omar, and I'm joined by Omar. What's up? I too am Omar. And obviously Omar won't be joining us tonight. So, we're going to poke fun at him all night long. This week, Why is that any different from when he is here? Well, it's not really different from when he's here, but this week we're going to talk about Black Panther, Black Panther, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I suddenly went like northeastern there. That was um, Mythic Quest and the Netflix series The Bastard Son and the Devil Himself. Did you take your car to see Black Panther? I did. Down I at did. Havid? Yeah. <clears throat> so. Down by the Y. This is. This is a. Show. I'm going to do the spoiler <laughs> situation here. Uh, we review stuff. And when we review stuff, we're going to say things such as, you know, that movie was really good. But what was great was that they revealed that he was dead the whole time. And then you're going to be all like, what the hell? These guys spoil things for you. But we told you what we're going to talk about. We told you what we might spoil by reviewing this stuff. We so even it's on told you, you that point. we're going to spoil it. Yeah. So it's on you at this point. So if you, you would like you to did. fashion an angry uh, email, uh, send it to yourself. No, 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 no. If no, we spoil no. something. Send it to Omar. Yes. This is all Omar's fault. Everything is. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about news, and this will probably be the first time that we ever talk about Taylor Swift on this show. Uh-oh. Um, uh, the Taylor Swift apocalypse is going on right now. Um, so I don't know if you guys out there know about this or have heard anything about this, but, um, you know, most of my social media stuff is former students and things like that. And, you know, family and former students, the only people I care about keeping in touch with. And there's a lot of Taylor Swift fans amongst that group, at least the former students. And people are like, you know, if you if you have any Swifties in your house, and to be completely honest, I thought they were referring to Swift boat people. Like, you know, the, the Vietnam people, because I'm old. Wow. <laughs> um, they're like, if you have any Swifties in your house, you might want to give them a hug. And I'm like, what the hell is that all about? Well, apparently, Ticketmaster uh, did a verified fan presale. And 3.5 million people verified themselves as fans. It was supposed to uh, do away with some bots, which that is not going to – it just so – there's just a bunch of bots that are verifying themselves as fans. Of that, 1.5 million codes went out for presale for the Taylor Swift tour. By the way, it is the first Taylor Swift tour in five years. 
and these codes went out. They were supposed to go on sale a couple days ago as we were recording this, and it, uh, of course, went very bad because there were not 1.5 million tickets available uh, in general, much less for a pre-sale. So they were selling out, trying to sell at stadiums, whatever. Uh, the actual tickets are supposed to go on sale tomorrow, and there's none left because of this pre-sale shenanigans. Um, this, of course, is causing great problems. Uh, the trying to avoid scalpers situation has led to even the worst tickets being sold for upwards of $28,000 each. Um, you know my affinity for Pearl Jam, mm-hmm. Rob. Sorry, Omar. Uh, I would not spend $28,000 for Pearl Jam. Um, Hell no. As long as you, like, I mean, if they gave me a car with it and several other things, maybe. But, you know. They're um, really so there trying are, to sell tickets for $28,000? The, I saw, I saw one story. It was, it was actually a sweet story. Um, a girl, 16-year-old girl, was trying, wanted to get tickets. So when she found out there was going to be a tour, she spent all summer sewing the little sock monkey puppet things. Mm-hmm. And selling them to her friends to make enough money to hopefully buy tickets. Um, she also, you know, arranged with her mom, like, you know, hey, can I skip the day of school until I get my tickets and then I'll go into school late? Which, you know, that's that's the type of stuff you remember your parents for, I think. Like this little, like, okay, fine, I'll let you play hooky for a couple hours just to, you know, do that. Um, and so they did that. It ended up being a cluster uh, I think they said the woman said that when she finally got in to get tickets for her daughter, there was like a seat that was literally back to the upper deck wall mm-hmm. in whatever stadium because it's a stadium tour, and it was like over two hundred dollars, which one would expect to pay maybe for lower tier, but no. And I and this of course is putting all eyes on Ticketmaster, and I don't know if you. One of the big things that Pearl Jam did that either caused them problems or got them fans or angered their fans was they tried to reveal to the world that Ticketmaster was, in fact, a monopoly. And the Senate, um, it, Democratic Senate, actually, I believe at the time, because it was in the in the 90s, um, basically treated them they were, like they were a bunch of just dumb rock stars mm-hmm. and was like, no, 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 you don't know what you're talking about, whatever. Um, and it turned out that, yes, well, we know that anyway, they were a monopoly, and they basically bought up all the opportunities for selling tickets at all of these big venues across the country. So no one else can sell tickets. No bands can. You have to, if you play at that venue, you have to go through Ticketmaster. So then Live Nation came out, uh, had big backing, Clear Channel, I believe. I might be wrong on that. And they were the other option. So it was like, if you remember... um, Microsoft was like the monopoly back in the day, and then all of a sudden Apple came out, mm-hmm. and Microsoft was actually kind of happy to have competition because they didn't have that giant market share anymore, and the government wouldn't mess with them. Well, Live Share or Live Nation came out, did well, and then in 2010, Ticketmaster bought Live Nation, and now, if you notice, at least I know you don't pay attention to this stuff, but um, ticket fees went from like you buy a seventy dollar ticket, you pay fifteen bucks fee. Now it's you buy a hundred dollar ticket and you pay a seventy eight dollar fee. It's like seventy eight percent fees for convenience and printing and whatever. Absolutely. So uh, Ticketmaster 
not only fuck this up big time by putting so much stuff out there, but you know, there's it's also putting the putting the eye of Sauron, so to speak, on them. Like you guys are a monopoly, and you can't even figure out how to get your website not to crash. Can't even figure out security for these tickets, all that stuff. So it's a little bit nuts. And I don't know if I mentioned it, but they did they did announce that the that the main ticket sale is canceled. So pretty much, if you don't have tickets as of yet, if you were planning on seeing Taylor Swift, um, which I actually did consider because my my kid really really likes Taylor Swift. Really? Yeah. Uh, she did well. They used her music in some of the Ninjago uh, ads for the Ninjago Lego Movie. Gotcha. Use Bad Blood, and um, it. She's not. Ter- I mean, I. I. She, it, she's not my type of music, but I like that she writes her own music, and I like her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, yeah, you know what? If it's affordable, I'll take her. But yeah. Take no. Him. Yeah. Um. So. It's kind of a mess, and we'll see what happens there. I mean, but honestly, realistically, what could they possibly do? I mean, d- does, uh, does Taylor Swift just go on do the concert knowing that she's going to play? I mean, eventually what will happen is the scalpers will lower their prices because they want to get their money back. Um, correct. But So that's one thing. Um, she already did open up more stadium shows. Mm-hmm. And there's also, I mean, there's also, it sounds weird, but like a lot, a lot of these stadium cities are fairly close to each other. Too, right. so it could be like I mean, but how do you like, how do you combat that? I mean, there really isn't any way to because if you open it up to online purchases, then I mean, I guess the really only way to combat that is to just do live in per in person purchase. Uh, the, I think the way to combat it, you line it up, has happened in other places. Mm-hmm. Is um, the ticket has to be linked to the credit card or linked to the ID? But that does. I mean, there's there's no perfect answer because if you link it to an ID and then someone's like 15 year old wants to go see a show, then you know, like I went to concerts by myself when I was 15. And or my, or you link it to a name at the time of purchase, and and you know, if you if it's not that name, you can't use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with a with a fairly and if you take a master wants to make their money, a fairly exorbitant transfer fee. Uh, which sucks if you're, you know, I don't know. It sucks. Concert if, ticket. It sucks if you can't go, but you know, then you shouldn't have bought the ticket. Or, or you just go back to to doing them as um, in person purchases where you have to line up to get it, and then you only get you know two per person. That's it. I loved that. I loved. Going and waiting out line at overnight because you would be hanging out with all the other huge fans of whatever band you were trying to see, mm-hmm. and inevitably you'd meet like a cute girl in line. And, and knowing that you can, knowing that a person can only buy two, I mean, is it really worth standing out there all night just to be able to scalp two tickets? Yeah, that's true. Versus an entire row, right? So. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I am thankfully in a place where I can pick and choose concerts I want to go to because I've seen most bands that I want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do feel bad for all these music fans that are younger that, you know, working at Publix bagging stuff and then having to spend an entire year's salary on ticket fees. Like, yeah. Anyway, any other news? Didn't. 
feel like somebody else passed away this past week. But I could be uh, wrong. Alright. Was this person not found yet? And like you're hinting that someone that you made someone disappear? <laughs> <laughs> They'll find out tomorrow when they don't show up. Yeah. Like I'm trying to think of a like a random celebrity that like that I'm I, I'm scared I can't I'm scared to even make up a name like a, a celebrity name because we've done terrible things to celebrities just by mentioning their name on the show. Yeah, it's terrible. So. We're awful, awful, awful so. people. Yeah. Uh, do you know, I, can I do the Florida story? Yes, you may. Cool. So there's actually two, but I'm only going to pick one. Uh, speaking of awful people. Uh, what, what? Well, I can ask you this. What is your favorite uh, Disney theme park event? Like, not separate ticketed one, but like, you know, Flower and Garden, that kind of thing. Do you have a favorite? Um, you said not separate ticketed event, so like, so not, not like Mickey, not not, not so scary, and not the Christmas one. But if you want to say like the Festival of Trees, that's fine. Um, I'd probably say Food and Wine. Yeah, mine too. I've not been there in a while, but I love food and wine. The uh, if you have never been to food and wine, go to the Ireland Pavilion and get the um, the molten uh, Irish cream lava cake. It will change your life. I love the uh, the Bailey Shake. Oh, uh, that's also good. Um, so, there's so much good stuff. But anyway, um, they also apparently have alcohol at food and wine. Thus, the wine part. But they have some beers. Um, so there was a, a young gentleman. I say young, but um, he is... Uh, let's see how old he is. I lost his... Uh, I love how his... Uh, well, anyway, he. Uh, I'll find his name as I scroll through here. A 30-year-old, Mare Island man. Uh, he uh, decided to go to Food and Wine and chug two beers in 30 seconds. <laughs> so he just downed them. Uh, he took off his shirt, high-fived a bunch of patrons. If you, if it is a Disney park, so there are lines when you go to get the food. So just I, I, Rob and I can picture this dude running up and down, like, like high-fiving people in line. And I can picture Greg uh, cowering off to the side so he doesn't have to touch some stranger. Oh, yeah, so true. Nope. High-five, no. Like, what's wrong with you, man? <laughs> you You're half-naked. <laughs> and I think you've been picking your butt. So no, I'm not touching your hand. Yeah, yeah, that's not happening. Uh, so his, oh, his name is uh, Chase Holdersley, Holderly, Holderby. Uh, he downed the drinks. He went around. He uh, did all of the stuff. Took off his shirt. Uh, he almost fell off of the Skyliner platform. Oh my god! Which is uh, seems like it'd be a bad idea. That was a hot mess. Yeah, he um. At the point that he drank, he chugged the two beers. He uh, he had already had some complaints against him. He'd already had so what? people like complain. He, like people were like, eh, "This guy's a little bit out of control." Um, and one of the food and beverage managers um, sent took a picture and sent it to the the to basically tell the, all the other locations like, "Don't serve this guy anymore." Um, the people in his group were like, "Yeah, this guy's going to get himself in trouble," so they were trying to get him out. Uh, but he got into an argument with his own group at Japan, which, as uh, you know, is com- almost exactly on the opposite side of the exit, mm-hmm. other than the, like, France exit. Um, by the time he got to Morocco, it's so funny because I'm picturing 
they were exactly going the wrong way. From Japan to Morocco, they're going the wrong way. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Going to Morocco, uh, he was uh, confronted by his security manager who told him, told him to leave. Um, he then did the the thing, like poking him in the chest, not the security guy, but the, the dude, the drunk guy did. Poking him on the chest like, you can't tell me what to do. And he was swearing, I haven't done anything wrong. Dude has a prolific amount of back hair, by the way. Wow. Another reason I would not have high-fived him. Um, he took off his shirt, kept asking what he'd done wrong. Um, attempting to get onto the gondola car, he went on in and then almost fell. That's, as I said before. The, the what car? The gondola. There you gondola. go. There you go. Uh, gondola. <laughs> they were staying at the Caribbean, or Caribbean, depending on what you want to want me to say, beach resort, <laughs> and he never actually made it there. Um, he ended up getting arrested. Um. And uh, he ended up. He did take a plea deal where he had to pay for two hundred seventy three. Pay two hundred seventy three dollar fine, and he did serve one day in jail. I'm pretty sure that he's not allowed back at Disney. I would. I would guess probably not. All of the robot birds, because there are no real birds at Disney. All of the robot birds now have memorized his face and will, like, peck his eyes out if he tries to come back. Hopefully. Yeah. Or at least peck mine out if he's walking around shirtless again. Yeah, so that is our friend and Florida man of the week, Chase. Orders B. Congratulations, Chase. You are this week's WTF. Know when to say when. If you're going to eat do too much of something at that place, you, what you need to eat too much of is the Brazilian cheese bread. Or the Irish lava cake. Or the Irish lava cake. Well, that see, that even that has a little bit of alcohol in it. Um, the, uh, uh, what is it? The... There's like a beer beef thing at the Belgian tent. It's mm-hmm. so good. Oh man, I gotta get back there. The I do remember the most recent one. Um, it did we did we already discuss Gallagher and Kevin Conroy? No and no. No and no. What about Aaron Carter? That one we did. I was going to say, I think we did Aaron Carter, but yes, this past week, Gallagher passed away, as did Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman from the Batman animated series cartoons in the 90s. And the voice of Batman in the Arkham Asylum games. Oh, true. Uh, Kevin Conroy was awesome. Yeah. And, uh, and Gallagher smashed watermelons. Yeah. Gallagher was part of that new wave of comedy from the 70s, the alternative comedy that in some ways brought us um, George Carlin and uh, uh, I just almost said Lionel Richie, which is not who I meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh my God, why am I not getting that name right? Richard Pryor. There we go. Duh. <laughs> Lionel Richie and Richard Pryor, not the same people. I also said Richard, I almost said Richard Simmons too, which is definitely not. Oh, um, my God. All of them have similar hair, though, in the 70s. Mm, well, yeah. All three of them. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, the Kevin Conroy, I, I, of course, read a lot of stories about him when he passed. Um, uh, openly gay man, but he wasn't until he started doing the Batman thing, and he realized in going to cons that it's an accepting community, and he didn't have to hide anymore, which I thought was really kind of cool. That's about awesome. fans. Yeah. And I love um, what that says about the the con community as well. Yeah. No, that's very, very true. Like, 
that was like it, heartwarming where someone that felt like they had to hide who they really were and then took on a macho character and people were like I don't give a shit because you are the epitome of what that like your voice is that character right like when I, when I hear Batman that's the when someone says Batman voice that's what I hear yeah same thing with uh, Mark Hamill and the Joker for me yeah true and they became best buds too mm-hmm. like in real life um yeah, so he passed, and of course Gallagher, who we are, we are a little bit short-sighting here. I don't know too much about him. Um, like, I think the most I knew about him, of course, was that he became famous for the watermelons. But that was always kind of the end of his show. It's not like he just went up there and smashed a watermelon. Then right, no, he was a stand-up comic, and he he. I've actually seen a couple of his specials, and his specials were good, but people lost their minds at the end when he would pull out the mallet. Yeah, the smashinator or something. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I remember what, having some of his videos in the Blockbuster, speaking of Blockbuster, uh, last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember we put those up on the screen. It was like, I, I always liked some of those older comedy specials where they're like, the references are so dated. Yeah. It'd be like, you know, blah, 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 Nixon, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell was that? <laughs> like, people are like, yeah, booing, and they're, they're making reference to like, I don't know. Random. I'm trying to think of uh, some of the the names of the uh, people that broke into Watergate, but either way, uh, our condolences to their families. Mm-hmm. And uh, sigh, gonna miss that Batman voice. He had already retired from that, though. Yeah. Uh, well, you want to so take us uh, into our topics? You want to start out with some Mythic Quest? I will. Mythic Quest is back for season three. It took a while for them to okay it after season two. And season uh, one and two were both really, really good. Um, so Mythic Quest is a show about a video game studio that does a, what is it, MMOR, like PG. Warcraft kind of game. Is that what it is? Yeah, MMORPG. Yeah, so it's a story about a studio that does that kind of thing. The first two seasons were largely about the next... I'm going to call it a patch, but it's, uh, what do they call it when, like, the new sequel comes out? Like, Winter's Bane or something. Thank you. Expansion. Expansion. And I'm the one that actually has worked on video games. Yeah. Uh, So the next expansion, and it was kind of... of Hmm? You've played played definitely for more of them, I think. Yeah, definitely. I just did finish uh, Call of Duty Vanguard, though. (laughs) You said duty. I did. Yeah, it wasn't Call of Duty. It was Call of Duty. Um. Anyway, so it's uh, basically a, that story. At the end of season two, they um. <laughs> you heard the call. At the end of season two, they the the lead of the studio, who was like this genius wonder kid who started this um this series, he leaves and he takes um one of his like lead programmers with him um to their own studio, and this is the first season that where it's like split teams. Um, say that I really, really have liked the first couple episodes of the new season. Um, the there's something interesting about the show is where it tells a story, but in the middle of each season, they've had like a story that's different. In fact, uh, they've done that, and they also did the the show, the episode I showed you with the the party where the the LARPing party, which was also just kind of a standalone episode, but mm-hmm. um. Couple things that like the first season's one I think it was like episode six, which it 
it told a wonderful story about you know a, a guy and a girl that started a company in the in the same building that the current uh, group was uh, working mm-hmm. and it was in the 90s and you know just it told that whole story and you're like this is weird none of i don't know any of these characters um season two kind of did the same thing with some of the uh the 70s sci-fi writers which i which i thought was really kind of interesting and then this season i'm wondering what they're going to do but um so far, they did bring back most of the team. F. Murray Abraham is not back because he is in White Lotus right now, and the filming just didn't work. Okay. So they used his disappearance from the show. I'm, they, I don't know if... They, they all get back together to, because of the F. Murray Abraham's character, who is the, the old sci-fi writer that was tailoring the story of the game. He basically said everyone, everyone on the roof of this building... And he's and the the lead dude is supposed to read a um a story at a, exactly a certain time, and then at the end of him reading it, they're supposed to look up, and apparently he passed away, had his ashes put on a satellite, and the satellite was supposed to be passing overhead because he wanted to go out with a bang. But because of that, like I'm wondering if if he's not going to make a reappearance at some point later in the show, hmm. um, just because it it. It seems very like it's funny and it fits the theme of the show and all that stuff, but it's it's a little random, and it also seems very random that like someone who's considered a very famous sci-fi writer that no one would notice that he's dead in the time it takes to mention that he's dead, burn his thing, her his body, and put him on a satellite <laughs> that would launch. But that could just be you know storyline. So um, it's it's funny, it's great. Uh, if you liked Silicon Valley, it's the same general idea. You know, the, they get so close to being super successful, and then someone does something, and it kind of starts over from scratch. At times, so all right, watch it. I think you are up. I am up. I I'm gonna talk a little bit about the bastard son and the devil himself. It is a Netflix show. It was released on October 28th of this year. Um, it does star Jay Lycurgo, Nadia Parks, Paul Reedy, Isabel Jesper Jones, Karen Connell, Jessica Pike, Hector Hewer, Emmeline Vekmans, and oh, Fane T. Balogun. So... The synopsis is, caught between two warring clans, the son of a notorious witch responsible for a deadly massacre tries to find his place in the world and his powers. Now, initially I started watching this, and I I was getting into it. I, I liked the first couple of episodes. It, it started out pretty good. But I'm not sure where it went off the rails. <laughs> But it devolved really quickly toward the end. I mean, it was it was so I was like yelling at the screen at points. I'm like, why are you doing this? This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> what is going on? Um, I mean, d- there were some things that I had problems with. I mean, this this movie or this this series is supposed to focus around witches um and like i said two warring factions you've got the fairborns and the blood witches and 
they spend more time using assault weapons than they do actual magic. Like, their assault teams have, like, 15 guys with guns, and then maybe one guy who's wielding, like, electrical magic or something. So it kind of it kind of takes some of the uh some of the fun magic out of it right there. Um there I mean this is this is a young adult series and it's very obvious in the shoehorned in romances that they have between the main character and the girl that he's interested in and the guy that he's interested in. Um but I mean the there are some characters in here that are just so detestable. The main character's sister is so completely psychotic that it's cartoonish. I mean, Yay. I mean, like, like the kind of person who puts a cat in a microwave just to watch them spin and fry. And I'm like, really? That okay. Okay, I I have no desire to watch this character do absolutely anything, but I mean it. It's like, yeah, I mean she like pulls the wings off of flies just to watch them want, wander around. The, the kid who burns ants on the on the sidewalk with a magnifying glass. That I sounds mean, like something. That sounds like somebody that at least one person on this podcast would uh, find hate. super hot. Um, but I mean there there's so many things that she does, and then at one point. She actually tries to get the the main character who's supposedly a good guy, not a bad guy, but I mean he's running around stealing people's powers and eating their fucking hearts and it's like, dude, you're a bad guy. When you start eating people's hearts to steal their power, you're a bad guy. And, you know, he somehow thinks he's in the moral high ground. And I'm like, there, how do you even justify that? There's no way you're in the moral high ground. You're eating your own people's hearts to steal their power. Well, if I would have known you felt this way, I would have ended our friendship long ago. I'm like, how? how is there even a question that you think you're in the right? I don't understand. I've been eating the hearts of my enemies for at least seven years. And so the the main character is the son of one of the most hated blood witches alive. He he was responsible for one of the largest massacres of and and you know the Fairborns and the Blood Witches are kind of like the Hatfields and McCoys. You killed my my paw, I'm going to kill your paw. You killed my paw, I'm going to kill your 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 son. You killed my son, I'm going to kill your niece. You know, it's that kind of stuff. You um, poison your cattle. Exactly. And it and it just keeps going and going and going and and um the bloods feel that they're being uh, stepped on and um, subjugated, so this guy lashes out and kills a whole bunch of them at a at a peace summit or whatever. And so he has a a child with this other with this other fairborn witch. So the the blood witch and the fairborn witch have a child, and that's the main character. Um, and for some reason they keep him alive, and and continually test him and prod him and to make sure that he's not turning out like his father all the while alienating him and treating him like shit and beating him down because he's a blood witch and you know nobody does shit about it because well he's a blood witch he deserves it but you're monitoring him so that he doesn't turn into a legitimate killing threat but the entire time you're kind of driving him that way so that doesn't make any sense um 
it, later in the episode, I mean, they they go ham and they kill a whole bunch of these foot soldiers, but then all of a sudden they have this moral compunction about killing this one guy. And I'm like, dude, you literally just killed like 50 people. Why, why, why do we have a problem now? <laughs> I mean, granted, he was, he was the father of the girl that, you know, he, he was supposedly interested in, um, that, that whole love triangle thing was weird. I, I don't know where that came from either. Um, but you know, yeah, it was her father, but I mean, he's literally been eating people's hearts. You've just literally killed 50 of his foot soldiers and he's trying to eat your heart. I think you're good. Go ahead and kill him. There's no reason not to. I'll, I'll just, I'll just give you a pass on that one. Whatever. Um, and, and the main character continues to make absolutely stupid decisions. So the whole, the whole premise is, is that on your name day, your 16th birthday, where you get your powers, if you don't receive the blood of your family on your name day, you die a horrible, painful death. Well, he's trying to get to the one person who has a sample of his family's blood because his mother has been killed. His father is MIA. Nobody knows where his father is. So he has no got, access I, to family. I got to interrupt here. Uh-huh. I got a Mitsubishi Eclipse on my name day, my 16th birthday. And I didn't die. So maybe he should just get a Mitsubishi Eclipse. That, that, that would probably have made for a better movie or a better show. Okay, go on. Um. So there's one place where he knows he can get the blood from his family. And he's got one day left until his name day. And the girl that he's been interested in disappears. And instead of going where he knows he can get the blood and live, he's like, ah, fuck it. Everything will be all right. I'll just go after the girl and go the complete opposite direction of where I need to go. And everything will just work out. Guess what? It fucking does. His dad shows up. Whatever. But you didn't know that. And it's it, that's that <laughs> terrible story writing that you and I complain about all the time. That whole, oh, they just happened to be, you know, they just happened to run into the only guy they needed to meet in the entire universe, like in Star Wars. You know, it's like, oh, God. Yeah. There's a whole universe out there, and you just happen to be in the same quadrant and, you know, flying directly at each other at the exact time that you needed them. Oh, go figure. And then uh, write it away, like, well, it was the force that brought them together. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he's doing that, like, the entire, the entire friggin' show. Um, and then the other thing is, is there is so much death, so much gore. They've got these two warring witch factions, and they live in the regular world, and they try to hide themselves from regular people, and they've got all of these mass killings, and somehow, no one in the regular world has taken notice. I'm like, all right, I, I don't, I don't even know where to go with this now. I mean, like I said, it started out okay. Why do, why do all these? Are they like goth witches looking? No, they just like regular. They're yeah. just regular. So why do all these goth girls keep on disappearing? The, but it, I mean, like I said, it, it started out okay. It very quickly went off the rails, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I. It it has gotten absolutely ridiculous now, and now I'm just watching it so that I can say I finished it. I I will not watch season two. Hmm. That's I, I'm I'm, and well, I, I, I heard great surprised. things about it. Same. I was thinking about watching it because of that. I didn't talk to you beforehand because this was kind of a late entry mm-hmm. um, due to um, Omar's 
having to pull out late. <laughs> hate when he does that. Uh, and I was thinking about watching it, but I uh, then decided to get into the peripheral instead, which we will probably talk about next episode. So, interesting. Yeah. So, I would pass on it. Okay. There's some interesting little tidbits in there. Um, and I always do like a long-time warring faction. Mm-hmm. A lot of the Hatfields and McCoys. Which actually is kind of next up on my queue of shit I want to learn about. I got. I want to find a good book about that. But, mm. And I think I think the Hatfields and McCoys like still hate each other, but now I just think they yell at each other on social media. <laughs> Probably. Hashtag fuck you. <laughs> um, fuck you, McCoys. Yeah. Team Hash. Team Hatfield. Uh. Anyway. We're going to talk about something very important now, uh, because this was this is uh, currently the number one movie, currently the number one movie in America. Uh, it is Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, and I uh, I was wondering how they were going to do it, and I'm trying to find the uh, information. Where the heck is that? Did I? I didn't even do who was in it in in the other show. There we go. Uh so, uh, of course, it is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. It came out on November 11th, directed by Ryan Coogler, uh, starring the usual suspects, ex- Letitia Wright, Lupita Nyong'o, um, Danny Guerrera, Danny Guerra? I never can pronounce her name, uh, Winston Duke, and uh, Angela Bassett, who was phenomenal in this, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that she stole the show, at least acting-wise. It, well, there um, was there was one scene that I didn't think made sense, but I'm like, oh, all right, whatever. All right, we'll we'll discuss that. Martin Freeman also great, by the way. Yes, Tenoch Huerta. Uh, Martin Freeman is crazy because like every so often, like when he first appears on screen, I'm like, oh, it's the Hobbit. Yeah, and then, um, then he's not. <laughs> and oddly <laughs> enough, he was he was the largest complaint. Like when I was seeing seeing things about the show. Martin Freeman's character was the largest complaint. A lot of people just want him removed from the movie. Really? Yeah, they were like, he doesn't add anything to the movie, blah, 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 blah. Why is he even there? He doesn't need to be there, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I didn't have any problem with it. Yeah. And he tied in with the with uh, Julie, Julia Louise Dreyfus, or Louis Dreyfus. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, and I think, uh, I don't know if I said Tenoch Huerta as Namor or Namor, depending on who's saying it. Um, synopsis, people Wakanda fight to protect their home from intervening world powers as they mourn the death of King T'Challa. As you know, Chadwick Boseman passed away. Um, I don't know why it crushed me, but it did when he died. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it was the night that we, uh, Bill and Ted 3 came out mm-hmm. and I was so excited because that was, you know, pandemic time. Like, and I, you know, that was my quote-unquote go to the movies, I was going to sit down, popcorn, candy, have and a movie night. The went out. Yep. And oh, that it made it so that I could not even enjoy that movie as much as I would have wanted to. Um, I just, as we've said before on the show, and I think you said this too, like when all of the Avengers stuff was ending and you had fallen in love with all of these characters, Captain America and all these other characters, it's like, okay, who do we have left that can hold the the line, and then 
that second group of characters showed up with Black Panther and Ant-Man and some of those characters are like, okay, you know what? These characters are all likable and can hold their own movies. And then he passed away from colon cancer, I believe. Yeah. So uh, first of all, you know, making a second movie when the star of the first one is gone, how do you think they did? Um... I I liked the movie. I thought they I thought they did a great job, and they they had a really really touching I did too. tribute to him, um, both at the beginning and at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. I thought the so at the beginning, I thought what they did was really really good because I was worried about the family, mm-hmm. about his family, his wife, I think he has kids, um, his brother was very vocal in the fact that they should not do away with the character. Yeah. His brother said that his, his brother said that he, that Chadwick was selfless and not narcissistic to the point of where he did not feel he owned that character. Right. And he thought that that character should continue in one way, shape or form, which I thought was an interesting way of putting it. Yeah. Um, and, I was then, and when I said I was worried about the family, it was like, do they want to see him die on screen again? So was, I didn't want them to do like a super battle that killed him, right, right, or showing him succumbing to something. And I think that they they left it vague on purpose, and they just showed people mourning him, and they left it. Which off I thought screen. was, yeah, which I thought was great. Like you, you had you had the the sense of urgency that he was actively dying, um, and then it happened off screen, and it was, and she came in and announced it to Shuri, and that was when it was like, oh yeah, yeah, and it was, and I think you said the was that when you you said the theater was dead silent. No, the theater the was dead silent during the 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 Marvel banner presentation. Where, where oh, they, where all the pictures were, where all of the pictures, you know, when they when they do the Marvel thing across the screen and they normally flip, flash flip, like flip, pictures flip, of flip, like flip, all flip, different flip. heroes, every one yeah, of the like pictures the was Black pages. Panther. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every one of the pictures was Black Panther. Um, and then at the at the end of the movie when she was burning her funeral clothes. Okay. And they showed flashbacks of of uh, Chadwick in the Black Panther outfit and like scenes from the previous movie. As she was like that was some, that was some of the the best stuff from the previous movie when they were like bickering back and forth like brother and sister at the mm-hmm. uh, in the lab, mm-hmm. yeah, and seeing that and that the or the first part I was right there was some kid in my theater that was all like, "Daddy, I dropped my pest dispenser. Can you get it?" Right at that part, and I was like, "Man, that kid!" And it turned out it was my kid, <laughs> um, who. Uh, before the movie i i had to get i got food and my wife ran the child over to the dollar store and uh, apparently he picked a pez dispenser but uh we did solve that problem and i don't think he was loud enough to bother anyone else but um see i thought i thought they did a really good job there um and i thought the the story worked pretty well mm-hmm. um with it i i it was a very long movie it was and um so there was definitely that that antsiness at some point 
um, in the middle of the movie because I had to explain some stuff. But I think it was necessary. Which stuff? Are you uh, for about? I think the over. Okay, so I think I did. The, they needed to do a very good job of explaining the heavy-handedness where where we kind of last left the various governments. They were not – they were very happy with Wakanda coming out mm-hmm. and were allies. And then a lot of the aspects of this movie is like trying to get to the vibranium. Right. And it takes a lot of explanation and ex- exposition to get to that point. To where it doesn't seem like, you know, I'm just anti-government. Yeah. And I'm going to put that in there. So, um, now, of course, there's other aspects to that because of uh, the, the, what is her name? I wrote it down here. Um, Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, Julia Louise Dreyfus, Louise, mm-hmm. Louis Dreyfus character, who um, is a bad guy, if you read the comics. And... She this is her second appearance because she was also in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier mm-hmm. as well. So there's definitely you know some sort of Hydra Shield situation. Also, it's not the same, but going on, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, but so I think the and the other aspect of that is Namor is kind of a good guy in the comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think there had to be a lot of exposition and. Oh, uh, what did you? I know that we're kind of jumping it in here. What did you feel about uh, Shuri like going full on Punisher back to like I'll let you live, despite what she saw? Referring to her mother, you know, it's it's not a turn that I felt was unexpected. I've seen enough of these movies to know how that goes. Um. I honestly, I would have been more surprised had she killed him anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly, as far as the movie is concerned, I didn't have too much trouble with just about anything that they did, save one. There was okay. one thing in this movie that I had a lot of trouble with, and and the problem is, is it was a main plot driver for the movie. Oh, what's that? And I'm like, you've got to be shitting. You couldn't come up with something better than this? This is some bullshit. The idea... The the device that can find the stuff? Yeah. Kind of. Keep going. Do you know where I'm going? Being invented by a teenager? No. That's not the problem yeah. I had. Okay. Or that being the reason that that Wakanda finally decided, or not Wakanda, uh, they changed it from Atlantis because of Aquaman. Uh, Namor's people fi- decide to strike. No. Okay. What? What then? My problem <clears throat> was the reason for the strife between Wakanda and Namor's people. And the reason for the strife between those two was that they wanted to kill the scientist. And Wakanda said, no, we can't let you do that. And Namor said, fine, we'll we'll eliminate. And Namor was kind of heavy handed with the, you know what? We we want you to be our allies 
Um, and we're gonna force you to be our allies. That's 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 not how or allies we're gonna work. Destroy you. Yes. Um, yeah. and but the the whole idea that they're like, yeah, we need to kill the scientists so that nobody else will have that machine. And it's like, um, I'm pretty sure the government stole the machine. And and I know that they threw they stuck in that throwaway line to try and justify this, and I'm not buying it. Fuck you, that's bullshit. The the oh, this is our only one. We've got to take care of it. No, the fuck it is. I know that the government took that thing, and if they knew that it worked, they took it apart to figure out how the fuck it worked, so that they wouldn't mm-hmm. have just one at the bottom of the ocean where they were gonna friggin' lose it, and and then not be able to use it at all. No, no, they. They took it apart. They figured out how it worked. They were working on six more of them so that they could launch them all throughout the globe. And they're like, nope, nope, we have to kill this scientist so that nobody has this technology anymore. No, no. Screw you. Everybody has it. Technology is already in iPhones. Exactly. (laughs) That technology is gone, brother. There is no reason to kill the scientist because everybody's got it. And it's like... I. and so I'm like, no. And and the whole time I'm like, you don't need to kill her. There's no reason to kill her. Everybody's fucking got it. She had nothing to do with it. All she did was create it, and now it's out there. It's gone. There's nothing you can do about it. Mm. It's like, she is not the problem you need to worry about. The problem you need to worry about is the people who are using it. Mm. And that that literally was the main driving wedge between Wakanda and Namor's people. Because Wakanda was like, well, yes, I see. I, I, I see your point. What is what is it you want to do? And they're like, we need to kill this bitch. And she's like, well, no, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> and then on top of that, um, Namor's people, she got the scientist. She was going to bring the scientist, and they went and just jacked her. And I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, they were bringing the scientist, but uh, all right, you know, whatever. Yeah, true. True. Um, that the that character, of course, Riri Williams is Ironheart. That, right. Um, in the comics, that character was actually created in 2016. Um, I think basically what happened with Marvel is they realized that there's so many that they've they turned all of their characters in the comics into the exact versions that were in the movies. Um, you know, all of a sudden Iron Man started looking like Robert Downey Jr., et cetera, et cetera, and they realized, oh shit. These people are only under contract for a couple more years, so they started making alternate versions of the character, which we've seen. Um, we've seen the daughter of Ant-Man, um, Kate, as different version of Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, girl Thor. <laughs> um, and then this Ironheart character. I, when the first Black Panther came out, if, do you remember the end of the first Black Panther when they donate the like the buildings to Oakland? Right? Yeah. And like they land that spaceship and there's that little girl. Mm-hmm. I was convinced that that little girl was supposed to be Ironheart mm. because the Ironheart character was just being revealed around that time. And so as soon as there was a little girl there, I'm like, oh, shit, okay. Because she was the one that was like, you know, actually, I think she I think she thinks it's a Tesla or something. I forget what she says about the spaceship, but, like, I really thought that was going to be the character. Mm-hmm. Um, turned out I was wrong. But... I liked the character. I liked. I love the look of the costume and love the look of the costume as a toy, as we've discussed. But when the costume first like showed up in its final form on the screen, it seemed um, it seemed underwhelming. It like 
honestly, I I got a feeling of um like the prototype Iron Man suit that he made in the cave when he like was... not, there's the first one where she escapes from the warehouse, but when you see it again, right? Like there's no they don't do that thing where they show it being built or in a tube somewhere where you can actually see it. So like the first time you're seeing it, there's like just enough of a delay on the like oh that's the same thing that we just saw as like a skeleton framework mm-hmm. that it like. It didn't have as much as much impact as I would thought it would have had, and also yeah. the audio in my the audio in my theater was a little bit weird too. So it might, that could have been the reason, but because um, I was looking forward to it, to be honest. Um, I, I guess back to Namor, like, I mean, he's the first ever character, the first ever superhero character that Marvel made. Oh, is he like, really? Yeah, nineteen thirty nine. He was part of um, – I don't know if it was the, called the Howling Commandos, but all of those people that like Captain America hung out with in like World War II, mm-hmm. um, he was part of that. He was an asshole, and he was you know, definitely def- – he was more of an asshole like a womanizer type asshole. Wait, how did he hang out with Captain America's uh, – Like they, they released buddies. the character, and then they added him into – because oh, okay. he came out right before World War II, like before America got involved. So they, so there was a Captain America. There's a Human Torch, but it's not the same one. It's like the young brash kid. There's a Human Torch. It's like an android. Um, Dum Dum Dugan, who's in the Captain America movies. Um, and, but so he was technically a good guy, but he was definitely of that leave my my people alone kind of situation. Um, I guess it didn't entirely make sense to. I mean, I because Aquaman came out first in the theaters. There's a lot of stuff that they couldn't do without copying, and to some extent, Wonder Woman. You know, this person that's lived a long time and fought in war, famous wars, mm-hmm. and Captain America even. So I thought that was interesting. Um, Namor is definitely more a Fantastic Four villain. Um. But in the comics, he did actually destroy Wakanda. Oh, really? And I just, yeah. With his army uh, or just by himself? Giant tidal wave. And I forget why. Um, he was, <laughs> why he was butthurt. Probably because they wouldn't let him kill that scientist. Yeah, yeah. Didn't exist yet, but yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do going forward. I actually kind of like the whole, like, Mayan aspect to it yeah uh just because it's something i haven't seen before yeah it kind of made sense um what else what else you got the the other problem i had was um queen ramonda lashing out at okoye yeah that was yeah i, I thought that was over the top and i was like because when it was happening i was like i don't I don't know that that's. I mean, yeah, she's probably mad that that Okoye lost. But I mean, but Okoye was outnumbered like six to one. Um, yeah, and it's not like she was like, "Well, I went to get a smoothie." Yeah, I and mean, came back you, and she was gone. You were betrayed by the people that you were making a deal with, and I mean, that's that's not Okoye's fault. Nobody expected this to be a a uh, a mission where they like jumped you. I mean. And, uh, 
yeah, it was. I I thought that I thought that was weird, and then to relieve what is probably the one of the best people possible to help uh, remedy the situation of their duties, I'm like, uh, I think you're kind of cutting off your nose to spite your face here. Yeah, right. So yeah, that didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, you're. That is, I think you're right on that as well. I did miss Daniel Kaluuya. Um, he was, I believe, he was filming Nope at the time. So he's. They mention him as being in jail, I guess. Hmm. For uh, he was the for, Rhino uh, one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the guy that was that trained the the rhinos, and I guess was kind of a bad guy at times. Not really a bad guy, but he sided with the the wrong people. So here, uh, here's well, here's a question for you: Did she abdicate at the end? Uh, Letitia Wright, uh, Shuri. Yeah, I feel like she did because she wasn't there to be crowned. So I think it's pretty. So, I mean, I feel like like she talked to him and felt like he would make a good leader. Did you Did you get that that uh... Baku? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, th- there was little threads. There's a couple things there. There was little threads that he he was the one that kept her from killing. It was like, look, this is just going to lead to bad things. This is not what your mother or brother would want. Yeah, and you know, I just I love that character, man. Who Mbaku? Is yeah, it's just the little shit that he does. That like that dude's like a really good actor. Mm-hmm. And like has all sorts of degrees in acting. I believe he he has an acting degree from Yale. Oh, wow! And like just like I just get the picture where he like walked up to the fucking catering table and grabbed a carrot, just because like when he like that opening oh, scene when he when walked he's in there. with the carrot the first time. Yeah, yeah. Like I just get the feeling like he's like yeah this will make my character and it it just seems to work and it all I mean it's stupid but it ties back into to them him joking about being a uh, vegetarian. He's not joking, but he said that like his people are vegetarians. And then, of course, you see him again in this movie, and he's chomping on a carrot. It's like, fuck. And then, like, you see a movie like Us, and he's, like, this yuppie, like, dude in a polo shirt. And and you buy it. <laughs> yeah. I'm buying what he's selling. Yep. Um, And he's funny, too, because he's humble. Mm-hmm. Like, peop- like there, I don't, there was someone that was, like, ta- there was somebody online that was talking about how, like, hot he looked in this movie. And like he was like, oh geez, <laughs> like, <laughs> like he he was like doing an aw shucks online, mm-hmm. which I thought was funny. Um, so yeah, I thought he was uh, great as Mbaku. Um, the oh the other thing I thought was interesting about this, the uh, the end credits scene. This is major spoiler territory, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she uh, Shuri goes to the beach. Uh, she finally decides to burn her mourning cloth, which means that she is now done morning whereas the rest of the village and city was done long before mm-hmm. um and you meet this kid who is uh t'challa's son yes and i i mean that actually surprised me it didn't blow me away or anything it was just like oh shit that's cool um did you know that going in or did you think of that or anything what about him being t'challa like were you, were you surprised by that when no, like, when she when she brought the kid out, I I suspected that's what he was. Mm-hmm. Like when we saw the kid, I was like, "Oh, okay, that's who that is." Yeah. And uh, that was uh, Nakia. Mm-hmm. Brings out this kid. The she's living in Haiti, working in a school. Uh, 
the thing that's interesting about that is there were threads to that throughout the movie. Because you saw that kid in the classroom early on in the movie. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a few little conversations of like, you know, why weren't you at the funeral? Right. And the mom not seeming to care that she wasn't at the funeral. And there was another thing where the uh, where the queen, they asked if the queen knew about the kid. It's like, yeah, she did. And there was, a, there was some other little, I think she mentioned in the movie that she had been to see Nakia. And it's like. Right. Like that's good movie writing. I understand what you were saying with the with the uh, the device, but the little threads in there I thought was really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now we just have to wait for like twenty years for that kid to grow up enough to uh, play the Black Panther. <laughs> there you go. I I'm actually okay with Shuri playing it for a while with Letitia Wright playing it. Yeah, I thought she was cool. I liked it. It's weird because she like she didn't really take the mantle up till about three quarters of the way through the movie, but. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's a few little things that you really have to kind of sort of remember from the first movie that I was like, oh, yeah, shit. The, I forgot that the, the herb was all gone. And that, like... Oh, that was something else I wanted to talk about. The bracelet? No, they they basically turned the Black Panther into a super soldier serum like Captain America. A what? They They basically turned it into a serum like Captain America. Oh, yeah, got it. I mean, it, well, it was kind of it was like that before, but well, no, it was but, yeah, it was it was an herb that they smushed. It was an it was a naturally grown plant that was given yeah. to them by the gods or whatever, and and you know it was, but now now that she's fabricated it, I mean, friggin' anybody can take it. It looks delicious, yeah, doesn't it? It looks like fucking dimetap. <laughs> <laughs> One one of the people in this podcast may have gotten brought to the hospital from drinking an entire bottle of Dimetab when he was seven. Omar. I, it was me. <laughs> but that's the, that, like, they, Mountain Dew totally needs to bring back their, what is it, pitch black? The, like, purple-looking Mountain Dew? Mm-hmm. And, like, make it the, um, the Black Panther serum. Ooh. Pitch Black oh. actually is coming back, by the way. Oh, is it? Yeah. <clears throat> the the movie or the flavor? The the Mountain Dew flavor. Saw that the other day. Um, so I think that's what I've got for Black Panther. Um, it was very good. As you know, most Marvel movies are. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they had to tiptoe around a minefield. And I, I think they did it successfully. Yeah. Very much so. So that's our regular topics. And now we gotta do our question of the week. Go. And what is our question, Greg? Our question well, oh, tonight. You shut sorry. up, I'm gonna talk. Our, qu- <laughs> our question <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> our question tonight in honor of the Black Panther. Wakanda forever. We wanted to know what were some of your favorite in media tributes to passing stars or actors, musicians, whatever. Um, we opened it up basically to any form of media, whether it be movie, TV, music, you know, whatever. 
What mm-hmm. were what were your five favorite? So I d- I did this a little bit to where it gave me pause mm-hmm. because sometimes sometimes it's a full movie sequence, which Black Panther was one. Other times it's just a little note at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. and you're left sitting there with the credits as it fades out, like thinking about it. So, and also because I'm me, and you know the whole music situation, uh, I actually separated music out and I kind of did two lists. I want to see. Uh, there's a couple that I'm wondering if you if you have on your list, so I'll just go ahead and do my regular list first, and then we'll talk about music later. All right. So uh, my honorable mention for most of what we did here is the the person had to have some association with the the vehicle, you know the yeah was a star in the movie or the was a member of the band yeah yeah. Um, so this one's a little bit weird, but they were well known for being in this universe. And that was Robin Williams in uh, World of Warcraft, where they made some NPCs based on him, like a genie NPC. Um, I think they called him Robin the Entertainer. Really? Uh, he was, yeah. I didn't even so know was, that, actually. I think that was after I stopped playing. So there was three There was three characters based. Um, there was Robin the Entertainer, and one was genie-ish, genie-ish and stuff like that. But he was well-known for playing it. And in that kind of game, I think a player helps make especially if it's a celebrity player makes that world bigger and better mm-hmm. so it's an honorable mention because of that they didn't obviously sit down and program the game but they were um, celebrated in the game uh, my number five uh, was the note to brandon and eliza from the crow that's very simple but the fact that it was brandon lee who passed away and his fiance at the time being memorialized in a movie about a man who dies with his fiance and comes back to avenge her it was a little uh, touching. Mm-hmm. Um, the news radio episode where they celebrated Phil Hartman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phil Hartman, genius. Uh, they and he was killed by his uh, insane ex-wife yep. or insane wife, um, and they had him pass away at his desk. And they turned it into kind of a I don't know if it was a clip show, but a telling stories about him kind of thing. For uh, number three, <sighs> young me remembers this a little bit. Uh, Sesame Street, do you remember that one? Mr. Hooper. Yep. Where children everywhere learned about death because Mr. Hooper died in real life, and they talked about the actor Will Lee um, on the show. Mm-hmm. And it was you know one of those episodes where they warned you watch with to the kids watch with your parents. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, number three. Uh, number two is the Fast and Furious Seven. Uh, the driving away Paul Walker scene at the end. Both of us, I don't think, were big fans of Fast and Furious. Although I've seen them all, which is weird. But yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, he was. Uh, th- yeah. Uh, and then number one is gonna have to be uh, Black Panther. Yeah. You know, it was it was very well done and touching, and uh, I enjoyed it. Nice. What you got? Um. I actually had a couple of those. Um, at number five, I had the the West Wing, John Spencer, when he passed Ooh. away. He was he was actually supposed to lose his character was supposed to lose the election. He was running for uh, vice president, I think, or he was he was running for for one of the offices, and um, he passed away. And the the initial story was that the character was going to lose, but in in honor of 
um, you know, the, the actor passing away. They actually had him win the election, but then pass away in office. And then they, they had a nice little um, quiet funeral for him and everything in the show. So that was, that was a nice little tribute. Um, at number four, um, I had the news radio, the news radio one with Phil Hartman. At number three, I had actually the Cosby Show's tribute to Madeline Kahn when she passed away. Um, they broke from their normal type of uh, their normal type of show, and they had the 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 actors basically reminisced about um, Madeline Kahn, and they showed some some clips and stuff like that. It was very nice. Um, my number two was Mr. Hooper from Sesame Street, and it's so high because, I mean, talk about talk about a golden opportunity and taking a a death of such a loved character and actually turning it into a a learning opportunity and a moment which you which you know being a star of a children's show like that he would have loved um yeah definitely and and teaching children about death and you know inviting the parents to come sit down and watch the show with them so that if there are questions you know they can help answer them and whatnot um really really great tribute to a a loved icon of a and i think i've heard of people that still use it still will find that episode on streaming Really, and nice. trying to explain to a younger kid, yeah, nice. And and my number one was will be uh, Chadwick Boseman's tribute in Black Panther. Um, I was telling Greg that when I went and saw this movie, I have never been in a theater that was so dead silent as when they were running the tribute to Chadwick Boseman. Nobody coughed. Nobody sneezed. Nobody was rifling through their popcorn bags. Nobody was munching. Nobody was slurping empty soda things. Everyone was sitting there quietly staring at the screen. And it was amazing. That just You just reminded me of something. When uh, I, in my uh, theater, one of the reasons... Place? No, in my theater, one of the reasons it was a little bit weird was there was an air conditioner. And, like, you know when an airplane, like, stops and all of a sudden the, the all of the fans, the air conditioner, a little, like, blowers go on and it gets really really loud right as soon as that scene happened the air conditioning thing in my theater went on and it was extremely loud like that awesome and it was a little annoying okay it was very annoying super nice. annoying yeah get your shit together regal i'm a frequent pass holder person now and i don't want to deal with that shit yeah uh, well you know speaking of frequent stuff we get to hear – yeah, pass, and passwords. We get to hear an awesome list, which I have not listened to yet, um, from Alec, our patron of Unusual Size. I'm excited. It's always hard because I get them in, and I don't want to screw said. up my own list by like <laughs> – yes. I don't want to screw up my own list by listening to someone else's, but you know, because he always comes up with ideas, and I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I forgot one. So Here we go. Hey, Give Me Five Podcast, top five tribute. I'm going to try to keep it short this time because I got cut off the last time by the by the voicemail. Uh, number five, Elton John, Candle in the Wind uh, for Princess Diana. Oh, shit. Mm. Number four, from The Wire, um, his name is Robert Colesbury. He was the producer and had a recurring role on the show. He died in between uh, season two and season three, so they had to wait for his character in, uh, in season three. Uh, number three, Malcolm X, that Denzel Washington, um, I thought kind of 
revital and Spike Lee revitalized Malcolm X, made him a bigger figure. People were wearing X hats, X t-shirts. It was a pretty big deal. Number two, Paul Walker in Fury 7, a tribute to his character uh, you know, at the end of the movie when it hasn't been in the race. And then number one is Bruce Springsteen. I'm going to do two different ones. One is uh, Brooklyn 2016. He opened the show. The band came out. Everything was purple, and they played Purple Rain in honor of Prince after he had just died. And then in 2012, Bruce um, replaced his longtime saxophonist, Clarence Clemens. They have a pretty famous relationship. Uh, and um, uh, he would uh, replace them with a horn section, and every time they'd play a song called 10th Avenue Freeze Out, uh, which is about Clarence joining the band, they would pause it for about a good minute, let the crowd erupt, and show highlights of Clarence Clemens. It's very emotional. It's pretty awesome. So that's my list. That's cool. Hope you like it. Glad I made it under the under the deadline this time. Thanks. Bye. Excellent list, Alec. As always. So, so the funny thing was, is the voicemails come through my phone. I'm sitting there all of a sudden. I was having lunch today, <laughs> or dinner, maybe whatever. I'm sitting there all of a sudden. Ding, voicemail. Like, oh, cool. Got a voicemail. Ten seconds later, ding, voicemail. Like, huh? So I thought my phone was just messing up. And then a few minutes later, ding, another voicemail. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> so I looked, and apparently uh, there there was some. Uh, some children arguing on the first one, which I have not listened to, but um, that's why that's why there's the, that. And then the second one was too long and got cut off, and the third one was perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you, Alex. Now, now I did throw together another one. We're just going to pretend this is Omar's list because it's about music, and did, that's what uh, he would have done. Did did uh, Alex's list affect your music list at all? It did not. Although the the Bruce Springsteen one and this, I mean, not even I don't the think any die one, huh? That was good too. Yeah, you know what? I actually will, because, um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll do the Princess Die one. I think that actually is a good one. Well, I mean, it's it the way we were doing it is a little different than the way he did it because it was members of the band. So actually, I I won't change. I'll I'll stick with it. Okay, okay. Uh, my I do have an honorable mention that is "Shine on You, Crazy Diamond" by Pink Floyd. Uh, the for the from the album "Wish You Were Here." Uh, but it's an honorable mention because he didn't actually die. Uh, he fried himself with LSD. It was about Sid Barrett. He fried himself with LSD and was there, but not there. Thus, wish you were here. So, um, but it's a beautiful, long song, and that's that. Uh, so that's on a bunch of number five, a song called White Lightning by Def Leppard. Um, their guitarist, in between the Hysteria album, which is the big one that you know of with Pour Some Sugar On Me, mm-hmm. and the follow-up, which had uh, Let's Get Rocked and a bunch of others called Adrenalize, uh, their guitarist was nicknamed White Lightning because he could actually play as he ran sprinting around the stadium and he had long, blonde, curly hair. Mm-hmm. Um, he passed away from mixing, I think, barbiturates and alcohol or prescriptions and alcohol. I don't know the exact type. So right. they wrote a song called White Lightning. And what's interesting, though, is it, it's more of a celebration of his life than a warning about doing drugs and stuff. It was just, you know, burned out too soon kind of thing. Um... Number four, a song called Good Day, which is an acoustic song by The Replacements, celebrating their former uh, bass player, guitarist, not bass player, uh, Bob Stinson. Uh, he, uh, another one that drank himself to death, but don't drink yourselves to death, guys. Like, moderation, people. Uh, you're either going to fall off of a fucking gondola or die from alcoholism. Don't do any of those things. But anyway, um, celebrating Bob Stinson's life was Good Day. Uh, God Gave Rock and Roll to You too. I was always wondering why it was called two apparently it is a kiss song well i know it's a kiss song it is a cover song 
in honor of Eric Carr, who was their drummer that passed away from cancer. Um, and it was also in – it was the song they played at the end of uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Um, let's see. Number two, To Live Is To Die. It is a Metallica song from uh, uh, celebrating their uh, former bass player, Cliff Burton. And it is on the um, – he. If, if anyone knows this, uh, he was on their tour bus in Europe. It slipped on some black ice. It fell off the road. He had – he. the story goes he was on the top bunk that everyone wanted because it kept you kind of away from everybody. Uh, he won it by – they did like drawing cards. He drew the ace of spades, which allowed him to win it, but he fell out of the window when it shattered, and the bus landed on him. No. Um, yeah, so that was the song that – that celebrated his life. Um, my number one is a, a song called Say Hello to Heaven. Uh, it is a band called Temple of the Dog, which is half Soundgarden, half Pearl Jam. It is celebrating the life of the former lead singer of Pearl Jam, which was called Mother Love Bone at the time. And um, it is uh, it's just a beautiful song. The lyrics are crazy and... I will say that, like, the first time I heard it, when my father was very, very sick, before, you know, like, there was always that, like, well, enjoy every moment of his life, because it's not going to be a long one, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, whenever I heard that song, it made me pause, and then, even though it's one of my all-time favorite songs, I couldn't listen to it for, like, you know, six, seven years after he did pass away without losing my mind. Um, it's just a beautiful song um, with, you know, and sadly, the person that sings it, Chris Cornell, has also passed since then. And it's just, you know, like someone that you some you sing to a friend, um, you know, that there's uh all the stuff that we had planned on doing and now none of it's gonna happen because you're gone. So it's it's a it's a very sweet song. Um I'm guessing that there was a ton of country songs too. Um I heard that the actually the number one that most people voted was uh, an Emmy Lou Harris song. Uh, but I did not know it. But uh either way, those were my music ones if you feel like being depressed uh, by all means those are those are some songs you can listen to hmm. to uh mourn past band members so. and that's our show now you're going to say something like hilarious and like dipshit like and it's going to ruin everything i i will um hey omar can you do the contact information <laughs> omar 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 <sighs> he still can't get it oh. right yeah, totally replacing him with Helper Monkey. GiveMeFivePodcast.com is where you can go to find out stuff about us, and all of our past episodes are there. You can check us out on Facebook by searching for the Give Me Five Podcast. Uh, if Twitter still exists at the time that you listen to this, uh, Give Me Five Pod at Twitter and Instagram is the place to go. Um, if you, uh, if you, uh, I highly suggest if you have logged out of Twitter to be very careful logging back in. Because there's definitely some stuff going on with passwords there, and I would be careful. Uh, if you want to contact us uh, to buy our podcast for $44 billion, you can reach us at giveme5podcast at gmail.com, where Rob and I will be very helpful to split the $44 billion. Uh, and, you know, since certain people weren't here to tell us about contact information, then they, they don't. But uh, also, thank you for listening, and feel free to review us on whatever podcast. Uh, service that you listen to us on, reviews help find, help other people find us, and that makes us happy. Yes. 
Thank you for listening, guys. And remember, like I always say, when you reach the end of your rope, just let go. You'll be amazed when you just float there. Trust me. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyway. This is the game. And, oh, yo. Know, and uh, uh, someone's house of uh, scrotum modeling. Apparently. Oh, mm, yes, yes. Uh, for all your scrotum modeling needs. Yes. I'm not ashamed to say I clicked on that link. Maybe slightly ashamed. But.